0: Fear is so common that many people live in the grip of fear, anxiety, every day, all day long. It can be an illness, it can be grief, it can be loss of a job, financial issues, all kinds of things that can... Contaminate our minds and dominate our days and steal our nights away from us, leave us restless. We live in the midst of the three C's, chaos, coronavirus, coming election. We live in a world which is directed by Satan, doing everything possible that he can to draw us away from the source of our strength in Jesus Christ. We live with daily struggles and broken relationships and habitual sin. We are prone to fear. It is easy to be filled with angst in this culture. So today we're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 41. We're going to look at Isaiah 41.10 because it's an incredible passage where God not only invites us, but really commands us to deal with our fears, to turn over our angst and our anxiety, to overcome our fear. This passage is one that I used as a devotional message in the celebration of life for Deanna Wicks just a couple of weeks ago. And I felt uh, so impacted in my own life that uh, I wanted to make a complete message out of it. So if you were here that day, thank you for comforting the family and honoring Christ and celebrating uh, Deanna. And if you weren't, uh, then uh, you get a fresh look at Isaiah 41.10. I have made it more complete than a couple of weeks ago. I want to read the passage first, and then we'll talk just quickly about the context of it. This is what Isaiah the prophet wrote as he was guided by the Holy Spirit with the words of God. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand." Incredible words, just reading them helps drain some of the anxiety that we carry around with us. Just being here in the presence of Jesus Christ with the church family is a great thing to do. This passage, just like today, spoke words of comfort to the Israelites toward the end of the 8th century. Now, what Isaiah was doing, his first 39 chapters, he talked about the darkness of judgment to come. He talked about the Babylonian exile. They would be put into exile as judgment for their sin. Now, we just came out of a sermon series on the book of Daniel in which they had been in exile and were returning. So don't get too tripped up there. Isaiah 39 chapters, the darkness of judgment to come. Chapters 40 and following, he talks about deliverance, especially in verses 40 to 48. He talks about the deliverance to come out of the Babylonian exile. So he is using words of comfort. He's going to do that a lot of ways. One way is to focus on the greatness of God and his character, that he can be trusted. But he also does it by telling them not to fear. Indeed, the key to overcoming fear is to rest on the presence of and the promises of God. That's the key to overcoming fear, to rest, to embrace the presence and the promises of God. The interpretation is for the Israelites. Certainly, Isaiah is writing this to them. He's talking about the comfort to come. They don't need to fear this exile. They have this coming judgment, but there is a deliverance To follow. So the question arises does this apply to Jesus' followers today? And I would tell you yes. The interpretation directly is to the Israelites, but the application is through the analogy of faith to every believing child of God, so that if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, these promises apply to you. In fact, if you're a student of God's Word, you're going to recognize a lot of threads that are pulled into the New Testament, a lot of ways that these promises are recited and given again, especially by Jesus Christ. So we've got an application that is for us as well as the Israelites. As we look to this passage, may God give us strength through his love, through his presence, through his promises, to deal with fear, with anxiety, with angst in our lives. The Lord gives two commands here, and then he follows it with five promises. Isaiah's two commands given by the Lord, do not fear, do not anxiously look about you. Those are the two commands. They're followed by five promises that call us to fearlessness. But first, the commands, do not fear, do not look anxiously about you. Now, you know that there are roughly 365 commands not to fear, to fear not, throughout Scripture. One for every day of the year, right? To deal with all that we go through in our lives. You may not know how Jesus approached this issue. He used a number of commands in this fear not genre, if you will. The gospels list about 125 commands of Jesus Christ. 21 of those commands are directly with the words, fear not, take courage, be not afraid. Be of good cheer. They are directly addressing this idea of not fearing. The next most commands that he uses are only repeated eight times. So 21 times Jesus repeats these words throughout the Gospels. The one statement he made more than any other was this, do not be afraid. Now when my dad passed away a couple of years ago, my mom did a very creative thing. She had the, the, the siblings, the children gather and, and, and write down and give to her a lot of dad's sayings, right? We, some we chuckle about, some we complain about. But those sayings that stayed with us, and, and that was quite easy uh, to do. There were things like think it through. So it's kind of a command and an encouragement. Uh, look sharp, play sharp. You can't go wrong with the Lord. These things just flowed easily for us. And so mom took these, she had them printed up creatively by a graphic artist and then framed them for us, gave them to the children and the grandchildren so that we could recall with joy any of dad's statements as if they weren't playing on the tapes in our minds all the time. We can just look at that frame and recall dad's statements with joy. I wonder if the disciples ever reflected on what Jesus told them after he ascended back into heaven. Because if they ever did, they would have been saying, you know, he was always talking about be fearless, have courage, fear not, do not be afraid. That's the command. he gives here and he backs it up by saying do not anxiously look about you he gave us a command to fear not because he knows that we are prone to fear fear is a natural reaction to things real and to things imagined we're not going to get into the scientific aspects of it we're not even going to deal with you know what are the five most popular fears the ten most current phobias all of that it's a fascinating read but it doesn't do anything for our hearts today We must not give in to fear and anxiety and anger. We must move from fear to faith through one step of obedience at a time. And that step of obedience is to choose not to fear, to choose to let anxiety dissipate. You know, when God calls you to be free from fear as you do evangelism or as you take a test, or as you go in for a job interview, or as you confront unethical behavior at work, or confront a sin in your own life. He is calling you to do that with a sense of fearlessness, to overcome the fear that is natural in your life. But he does it. With divine support. That is the nature of all biblical commands. He's gonna give us the two commands fear not, do not anxiously look about you. But he's gonna give us five promises that act as pillars to hold those commands. Five pillars that are promises that we can count on God's support. You see, God never gives us a command. He never calls us to do anything that he does not empower us to do. That's a principle throughout Scripture. And so he's going to give us five promises that are going to enable us, they are going to empower us to overcome fear with uh, with faith, with fearlessness. The five promises that form the pillars on which our fearlessness stands are these. I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The verbs of Isaiah 41.10 here show what God habitually does for his people. And restated, we could say this, God is with me. God is my God. God is, God will strengthen me. God will help me. God will uphold me. It is wonderful to personalize these promises, to think about them, to meditate on them, and to think that these are not just factual statements, but these are truths about the living God and his movement in and through your life as you and I trust him, as we move from fear to faith. Most of these phrases are synonymous. They're just piled up on one, to- one on top of another. They are repeating the same idea, and they are all expressions of God's love so that we can begin to grasp who he is and to experience him in our lives. We we need all the synonyms to be able to grasp what he is doing in our lives. Well, God is stating his active presence with us. We are prone to fear, but God offers the remedy. The key to overcoming fear is to embrace the reality of Jesus, to embrace the reality of his presence and his promises with our lives through trust. When we embrace his presence, we rest on his promises. The Lord gives us clear reasons through his promises how to overcome fear every day, every moment. So let's take a closer look at these five promises. The first promise is this, do not fear for I am with you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Many people in our church family have told me over the years how precious this promise, this truth, this passage is in their lives. Many people want it read in the hospital or in time of crisis and prayed through. And you can see why, because it is such a powerful truth about the living God and his movement into our lives We love to meditate on a passage like this that opens up our heart and mind to the power of God at work in us. David said something very similar, didn't he? In in Psalm 23, verse four, "'Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me.' He recognized that God comes prepared to be with him and to lead, to protect, and to provide for him. Fear moves toward faith when we embrace the reality of the presence of Jesus with us. You know, I get a close-up view of of this promise of God at home. One of my wife's greatest characteristics is loyalty. She is faithful. She will stick with you. She will be present. She will move into your life if you are her friend. And, And many people poke fun at this idea of faithfulness. Mark Buchanan in his uh, great book on the attributes of God, the Holy Wild, he says this about faithfulness. He says it is the most amazing but least captivating characteristic of God. He says it's the characteristic that, uh, you know, wives who can't think of anything better about their husbands, they say, well, you know, he can't fix things and he doesn't make much money, but he's faithful, as if that's meaningless in their lives. It's the kind of thing we say about an old car, right? You know, it's not fast, it's not flashy, it's not great looking, but it gets me where I need to go. It's faithful. Well, that's what God is telling us here, and we don't want to let it be mundane. My wife understands that characteristic of God better than most people I know, and her presence with me in spirit, even if it's not physically present like this morning is an incredible encouragement, gives me great strength each day. She opens up the promise of God for me and gives me better understanding because of a character trait that God has given her. God is present and he is faithful. He is loyal. We must not fear because God is with us. And Jesus would later add in the New Testament, not only am I with you until the end of the age, but I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That is an unconditional promise that Jesus has made to you and me. That's not based on your level of holiness at any given moment. If you have placed your faith in Christ, you're his child. You're sealed by his blood, sealed by the spirit And he is with you and will never leave you or forsake you. Even in moments of rebellion, and there are so many people that carry fear and anxiety because they don't want to look to God because they're living in rebellion, because they're struggling with sin. We're all broken and imperfect people, and that is perfectly natural. We are prone to fear, but we've got to turn to God. We've got to embrace his presence with us. That moves us from fear to faith. The second promise is this, do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I am your God. Have you ever considered that the trial that you're going through, the difficulties, the circumstances, creating the fears, creating the anxieties, tying you up in knots, are just a form of trial that God has given you to expose what you're trusting in. He moves something into your life or something into my life to find out what it is that we ultimately trust in. Because if it's anything else than the living God, if it's some type of idol, then that's going to fall away. It's going to leave us bound in our fear and our anxiety. It's not going to allow us to move through with fearlessness. It's not going to dissipate the anxiety. It's not gonna bring the power of God's peace through his presence. God's answer to fear is not a formula. It's not an argument. It is a person, and that's why he said, I am your God. We move from fear to faith when we realize that God himself is the answer to every fear that our heart can generate. We move from fear to faith when we recognize, when we embrace that God himself is the answer to every fear. Some versions say, do not be dismayed. I like this version. Do not anxiously look about you. Because we can picture that type of frantic ability, franticness that goes on in our lives when we are anxious, when we are fearful. What are we looking for? Well, we're looking for someone or something to save us, something to give us strength in the midst of our anxiety. We want to be delivered from fear. We want to be back in control. We want to be comfortable. The Israelites, like the nations around them, had turned to idols. They had turned to pagan idols. And so Isaiah even mocked them in chapter 40 and 41 in earlier verses here in this chapter uh, about people who make an alliance with rulers who make an alliance with idols who try to shore up their idol to make it strong. So it won't fall over. He doesn't say anything about the idols that you and I put in place, but what is it that you turn to for comfort? What is it that you turn to, to alleviate your fear when you're in the midst of that type of disturbing anxiety? We have to be careful. Fear is dreadful, and it fills us with anxiety and angst. Fear can turn us into control freaks. When fear shapes our lives, then safety becomes our God. Safety and comfort. When safety becomes our God, we worship the the risk-free life. But nothing about following Jesus is risk-free, right? You can't love people and be risk-free. You can't serve people and be risk-free. We must call on our great God and his greatness to answer our fears. Otherwise, we're going to prop up idols in his place. Of course, you have to first answer the question, is he your God? You have to answer it positively. Uh, Do you believe that he is God, the son, that he has died on the cross for your sins in your place, was buried and rose again? If you have, if you've committed your life to Him, then your sins are forgiven and you have the free gift of eternal life. He has entered your life to lead you. And you can say the promise that Isaiah has given us from the Lord He is my God. God is speaking directly to you with this promise. Promise number three is I will strengthen you. Have you had people in your life that give you strength? that are more givers than takers, that bring courage and encouragement, they bring admonishment at opportune times when that's necessary as well. Uh, Sam Brookman is one that the Lord has used in my life over the years. He used to be on staff here. He's come and gone with FCA, now he's out in Phoenix. And I've always admired and been inspired by his ability to evangelize, to share the gospel, to announce the good news. He believes so strongly in grace that it affects his attitude toward everything and toward everybody. Sam is one who has not only inspired me, but directly impacted me and still does to this day because he's willing to speak the truth in love. He is willing to bring courage. How do I know? Because he listens. And how do I know he listens? Because he remembers. He prays for me. He offers encouragement. He offers strength. He points out blind spots. He gives me a different perspective of what God might say about something that is going on. Sam consistently fleshes out God's strength. And God is the source of my strength. In Isaiah chapters 40 and 41, his emphasis is on the greatness of God. Incredible passage. I love to meditate on chapter 40, verses 12 to 26. It it just details so many aspects of the majesty of God. I recommend it to you. But here is the reason why he does that before he gives a promise like that and a command not to fear. Because if the key to fearlessness is believing that God is your God and that God will strengthen you and help you and uphold you and be with you, then you want to know what kind of God you are trusting. You want to know how strong those promises are. What are they backed up by? And so we are pointed to the greatness of God. In a lot of different ways, he, he uses creation. He uses the comparison between the living God and an idol. He talks about the inscrutable understanding and wisdom of God, which is unsearchable and unfathomable. Paul would pick that up again in Romans 11. He points us to God so that we will be drawn to worship God, so that we will be drawn to trust him. And so that these promises will undergird us as we trust God. Our common problem is that fear creates a form of spiritual amnesia. Fear creates a form of spiritual amnesia where we forget about God's goodness. And doubt begins to move in and replace it. And and as soon as these doubts take place, then we just write off God And we move on to something else, usually trying to fight as fiercely as we can in our own strength against fear and against anxiety. And all that does is just burn us out and wear us out and leave us almost lifeless in our soul. We want to be people that go consistently to God's word, that when we think about God, we think accurately about God because that brings these promises to life. In our lives. The fourth promise is this I will help you. The Lord God is our helper. He will give you mental stamina, emotional stability, and physical strength. His help is practical. And so when we talk about help, it's not help just to get done what God wants to accomplish. Certainly, He's going to work in you and through you as you submit to Him and respond with a loving obedience. He's going to work everything together for our good and, and for his glory. But his help is always going to be practical. It's always going to show up in our lives. Randy Brown and his wife, Missy, are caregiver, caregivers for their son, Randall. They haven't been back to church yet. Randall is paralyzed, and they have to be extra careful with the COVID. Missy is the formal uh, 24-7 caregiver. But Randy helps out in a lot of other ways whether it's renovating the house to better uh, help uh, Randall function or creating a new joystick for video games whatever it is Randy is there to help Randy creates ways to make Randy's life uh, Randall's life easier Randy has the gift of helping he has power washed our parking lot. He, just recently, he, he cut down the lower limbs from the trees so that we could see our facility better from the, the highway. He is always looking for things to do. And one of the things I've noticed about Randy, and, he, and he's always texting me, he usually texts me on Monday morning to get my week started right with a, a passage of scripture. One of the things I've noticed about Randy, he he does what must be done, but most people do what must be done, right? Because it must be done. Or because they can figure out how much time it's going to need to allot in that direction. But Randy goes beyond that. He only does what must be done, but he does what can be done. He just has an eye for seeing what can be done to help in a certain area, and he just dives right in. Randy has given me a, a great picture of of the way God serves each one of us. He knows us intimately. He made us. He formed us in the womb. He knows our gifts and talents and abilities. He's gifted us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And and he knows exactly where our strengths and weaknesses are. And he moves in to help. Not, Not with just what must be done, not just to make us holy, but what can be done. What can bring us the joy of our salvation through full and abundant living in Christ Jesus? Randy's given me that, a better visibility of who God is. We can move from fear to faith because we have a God who is our helper. And the fifth promise is this I will uphold you. The Lord God promised to uphold Israel in their coming captivity. That meant he was going to be with them. He wasn't going to leave them. He wasn't just send them to prison and leaving them be. No, he's going to be with them in their time of captivity. He promised to walk with them through the waters and through the fire. That would come in Isaiah 43. And surely you and I have tasted of the goodness of God. And we can say that God has upheld us at different times and places in our lives. Perry Lee is one of God's representatives for me that way. Uh, He and and I have done life together for 30 years. And we have done all kinds of ministry together. And and Perry is one of those fill the gap guys. He sees what needs to be done and and he just moves right into it and and gets it done. And He is a prayer warrior. I, I thought it was fitting that he and Chris shared the prayer this morning. This guy prays. He prays fervently. He reads about prayer so that he can be better equipped to pray praise not long after I became senior pastor CBC was uh, struggling with financial hardship and Perry made it his mission to show up early in the morning long before anybody got on campus that day to prayer walk our facility in our parking lot and to pray for a movement of God and our finances soon stabilized that was no coincidence When he and Noel were serving in Barcelona for one of their short uh, two or three year stints, Perry would set aside one hour every Sunday to pray for me. Perry upheld me in prayer. Have you ever had anybody do that for you? That is incredible. He has moved into my life. He, he speaks out of turn. He doesn't wait for me to say, what do I need? Where am I missing the boat? He just speaks right into my life. He is one who is God has given to me to uphold me. You have people like that in your life, and what they do is they uphold you, but they also point you to God so that you and I better understand this promise of God because we want to be a people that experience God's promise, that he will uphold us. We don't want to just know about it and, and, and say we can write down the five promises. The Lord says, I'm going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. So he does not hold back. To talk about the right hand was to talk about the best symbol you could give for power and authority and strength. And he does it righteously, which means he always does the right thing with his power and authority. We can lean on him in fearful times because he will uphold us. God gives us all his strength. We are broken and imperfect people. And and when you embrace that truth, it helps you and I turn to God. We need our Lord to help us stand upright in a fallen world. Otherwise, we're going to be filled with fear and anxiety. We're going to try to take back control and remove Jesus from the throne of our lives. You and I must be a people that move from fear to faith by embracing the presence and power of Jesus in our lives. So I exhort you to memorize this verse, to meditate on this verse, to write this verse down and put it in places you'll see it. Maybe your bathroom mirror, maybe the visor on your car. Repeat the promises. Say, Jesus is with me. Jesus is my God. Jesus will strengthen me. Jesus will help me. Jesus will uphold me. When you and I learn to lean on God's presence and his commandments, he will give us strength. He will give us a sense of fearlessness so that we do not need to anxiously look about us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are deeply moved that you would give us yourself. We thank you for this truth given 2,800 years ago to the Israelites for their coming deliverance, for their comfort, for their encouragement, for them to hold on to and embrace and never let you go. And we ask for the grace to respond in kind. We ask for the grace to experience you with us and to be strengthened by that, to embrace your strength